Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Debbie Oke, David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and myself, Chip Sadarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, we're talking about Sweetness and Lightning, which was a manga series written and illustrated by Guido Amigakure, originally serialized in the Seinen magazine Good Afternoon. It follows a widowed teacher named Kohei and his precocious daughter, Tsumugi, as they navigate life and one integral ingredient to life, food. See, Kohei isn't much of a cook, and he feels like he's depriving his daughter of something essential by always serving her ready-made meals. A chance encounter with one of the students from his school, a young woman named Katori, leads him to take up cooking, and it prompts Katori to do the same, learning from the shadow of her absent chef mother. North American edition is put out by Kadansha, and today we're discussing Volume 1 after I chose it as the winner in our classic Four First Chapters episode. So yeah, this is what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hosting, look at this. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for hosting. Thanks for picking up the duties on this one there, buddy. I'm so excited for you to talk about Sweetness and Lightning. Oh, thanks. So, like I mentioned, we we picked this based on the first chapter, which we uh, read previously. And I think I was the one amongst us who liked it the most. So, my question is really, do you like this book more after reading the whole first volume instead of just the first chapter? I'm going to start with Deb today instead of doing Christopher like I've always done in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had read this first volume before, so I I kind of I always kind of liked it. I just never read the rest of the series, so okay. I'm not sure where it goes. It is really cute. It's you know like we had our dining table where there was, you know, the guy who doesn't cook and the kid and the person who does know how to cook. You know, like it's a very similar dynamic, but I think there's more I feel like with Sweetness and Ladies there's more practical cooking instructions. Mm-hmm. But it does, but it's not at the level of Oishinbo, which is overwhelming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like just religiously following the recipe. It's just it's it's done through the storytelling, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I guess always my question with a food manga is, did it make you hungry reading it? <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've been really struggling with my vegan lifestyle lately, and <laughs> reading this did not help that struggle. So, yeah, definitely made me hungry. Yeah, that hamburger steak mm. looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is cute. I guess there's one thing I guess I'll, I'll bring up later is this type of story. I have a little bit of PTSD about where mm. I call mm. it bunny drop syndrome. Yeah, mm. you mentioned that on a previous episode, and I don't think we should ever read Bunny Drop, but also, <laughs> yes, please explain. Well, sorry, you I, said you were going to bring it up later. Like, yeah, like, oh, it's I, just, uh, there's a point where it's like, and and we've mentioned it in the four, four, four chapters, like, there is a trope where it could easily go down the road of being an inappropriate relationship between a mm-hmm. teacher and a student, but they address it right up the front. Now, that's a caveat because I haven't read the whole series, so I don't know how it goes. But, you know, there's that, I feel that tension. <laughs> Like, oh my mm. God, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> but other than that, I thought it was really adorable. You know, the part where, you know, he's trying to be a good dad and uh, the daughter is really cute. I got where the sweetness comes in. But does anyone know where <laughs> the lightning comes in? Hmm. What's the lightning in this story? <laughs> I mean, for, for, for me, it's, it's, all, it's all through the daughter. Like when all, in every moment when she's like stunned by the food which are beautifully drawn faces. That always felt to me like the lightning, like that, you know, like the heavens part and all of a sudden all these ingredients have come together to create this reaction. Mm. But I might be overthinking that. I like that. (laughs) David, what did you think of this versus just the first chapter? So I have like a short story to explain how I feel about it. (laughs) (laughs) So when we did... The original episode, we just read the first chapter. And in my head, we were like, oh, we're going to follow up with Sweetness and Lightning Volume 2 on this episode, even though we didn't finish reading Volume 1. So I bought Volume 2, started reading it, and I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, there's like, they're too close already. (laughs) There's like stuff going on. 
so I read one and a half volumes of Sweetness and Lightning for this. And I did not finish volume two because okay. I think it's pretty definitively not my bag. Mm-hmm. But it's like a very well told not my bag. Like the art's really good. Like you mentioned the way she like fluffs up when like the food is happening. Yeah. Uh, super great stuff. But it's like mm-hmm. so saccharine that I had a hard time with it. <laughs> and it's not even like it's the bad kind of saccharine. It's doing exactly what it wants to do, like in the exact way that the author wants it to go. Mm. But it's too sweet for me. Like yeah. I, I found myself feeling kind of bad because I was like, this guy sucks at being a dad. And that's such an uncharitable thought for a manga about a guy trying to be a better father. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, like, why don't you try harder and then like intrude on this young lady's life? But like, there's a lot of simple pleasures in the book. There's some amazing drawings of food and I know I think like the craft is on a really high level, but it's like just outside of my comfort zone, so to speak, whatever, I guess, discomfort zone. Is that the best way to describe it? It's too comfortable for me. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I necessarily want 10 volumes of this. Mm-hmm. Like as it, for, for me, it felt just kind of sweet enough. Like I probably wouldn't have gone past volume one. Uh, unlike you, who's a huge fan of the series <laughs> kept going. Yeah. I, could, I felt drawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, 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 are enough, there are enough tiny little tension things that actually kind of make me maybe want to keep going because it is super mm. sweet, but it's also like, you know, as Deb pointed out, like, oh, is there going to be a weird relationship thing? What's the mom story? You know, there's some tragedy underneath all of this. Mm. But we can, we can I, I do want to talk about the possible relationship stuff later. Mm. Chris, did you like this more after reading the rest of the volume? Well, I don't have a short story like David does, but I do have a <laughs> dance that I would like to perform about oh, sweetness okay. and lightning. And I, I keep, I keep, I keep telling you, this is a podcast. This. What are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, one day, my interpretive dance will shine through. Yeah. So I actually read the whole <laughs> book when we did the one chapter. This is the one I cheated on because oh, I wanted wow. to know because I was just like, yeah, this is weird that a teacher and his student and his daughter are going to get together and cook. And that's what the whole manga is going to be about after it was recommended. And it was recommended as a very sweet manga. So I was a little bit worried about the bunny drop stuff too, because that kind of came out of nowhere in the bunny drop series, which was this cute story about this guy and his adopted daughter for like nine volumes. Then the 10th volume was like, Oh my God, recoil and horror. Stockholm. Amazing. Kind of. Yeah. It's uh, um, anyway, but this doesn't feel like a direction it's going and it I, I get that because it actually super addressed that in i think chapter three or chapter four where it was just like we're just going to talk about this thing where you're making food with your like one of your students and it's just i don't know i like i like how thoughtful it is and i like that i like that it's portraying this dad as like super dedicated and super ha- like super invested but also hapless like completely like useless because he's just like thrown into the situation that he never expected to. The fact that it's drawn by uh, at least someone who's using a, a masculine pen name is really interesting to me because it's, it's about this idea that what do we expect women to be in charge of and what do we expect men to be in charge of? And obviously from a Japanese perspective, the Japanese manga. Mm-hmm. And so it shows this guy who now has to do, you know, what are considered traditionally women's roles in Japan, which is cooking and cleaning. Like it, the first chapter is he cooks, he cleans, he like takes care of his daughter, goes to the park and does it all terribly. Like he's trying his best, but he's bad at all of it. And he, and then he shows up at work and he can't do the work functions that are like the masculine functions that are expected of him because he's got all these other like responsibilities loaded onto him. So I think it's really actually digging into the idea of gender roles in a real, real interesting way um, by saying like, no, you can do this and we're just going to learn how. Just going to learn how to do this along with the audience because Good Afternoon is my Sanin magazine. So the like it's oh. probably one of those like, sane in magazines with like hard scare quotes where it's like 60% dudes, 40% ladies reading it, but maybe more. But honestly, I think it, I think it's really trying to address something very serious, but using the fluffiest style possible to, to like make it really approachable and not scare people off. It's like, 
look at this Moe cute little girl. Like, you're mm. going to keep reading this. You're not going to be scared of having to learn how to cook your own meals or do the laundry. Are you, young man? Like, this is, you're going to be okay, <laughs> just like this hapless dad. So, I, so reading it, I really dug it for that aspect of it. It is really saccharine, like David's saying. And this isn't something I would ever have come to on my own, maybe, if someone hadn't suggested it in the comments on the, on the, on the blog. But mm -hmm. yeah, I totally think the first chapter sets up the premise and the rest of the first volume really expands on the premise in an interesting way. So yeah, full marks, it, it is exactly what it wants to be. And I do think it's doing something a little bit more than just being, than just <laughs> being a cooking manga, in my yeah. humble mm -hmm. estimation. The gender role thing is interesting because one of the bits I noticed was the fact that her mom is a chef who is absent because of like basically work stuff providing for the family, which, mm -hmm. you know, there's always been that weird thing where it's like, oh yeah, cooking is the woman's work. Mm -hmm. Being a chef is a man's job and all the prestige <laughs> that comes with it. Like it's such a, has always been such a very strange schism there. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that it's her mom, that is, basically the chef of her restaurant that she owns and knows everything about food and is also somewhat absent from her daughter's life in this moment, which is usually also like a story being told about like a father. So I, I found that interesting as well in terms of the gender roles. Mm. I, or actually no, go for it. I'll bring it up later. No, I was just agreeing. Oh no, no. David, I was please. thinking while Christopher was talking about gender roles, I actually hadn't thought of it from that angle at all. And mm. Chip's example came like right to my head as he was explaining it. And I think part of my problem with the dad, why I feel uncharitable, even though I know it's like a manga about him trying his hardest, is like I'm the son of a single mom. So like I was raised by my mom. I grew up doing a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that he's struggling with. So I'm just like, yeah. dude, it's not that hard. Like, come on. And this is almost like, Son of a single mom privilege, maybe. It's <laughs> <laughs> a ludicrous concept. Because I think it's definitely doing what you guys are saying it's doing, where it's like, here's a twist on the gender roles. But I think because of my perspective on those gender roles, that it's kind of messing my suspension of disbelief a little bit. Mm -hmm. huh? There's another manga. I think, Deb, you like Blue Lock, the soccer manga? That one, yeah. I feel like it's really well drawn, but it only works if you pretend that the Japanese women's <laughs> national soccer team doesn't exist. And I have yeah. such a hard time yes. with that that yes. it like messes with the book for me. Yeah, I think yeah. this is kind of the same thing where it's like my real life biases and various things are kind of messing with the story a little bit. Normally, I'd explain what you meant by that in the show notes, but since we're actually talking here, what do you mean yeah. Blue Lock only works if you pretend the Japanese national women's soccer team doesn't exist? It's basically... In Blue Lock, the Japanese men's national team, they're like the core soccer team, the emblematic of Japan, you know, pride of the nation is rebuilding. And they're doing it through kind of a death game approach where they have like several teams of like losers and winners and champions. They're all going to feud. And instead of dying, you know, like they get to be on the big soccer team, kind of like a battle royale situation where it like narrows the field. And all there's all these speeches about how like, Japanese soccer's fallen off. It's not any good anymore. Nobody has any cool moves. And I'm yeah. like, the Japanese women's team just won like four years ago. Like, what yeah. happened? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they can't mention it during the story because it would break the story, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it suggests that the ladies' team, mm -hmm. you have to pretend like they don't exist because otherwise you can't do the, we need to rebuild Japan and regain our lost glory story because the glory is mm -hmm. there. It's just feminine and that's not cool. Yeah. So, uh, so the interesting thing is, so was it a matter of timing, like, like, like the, was the was the original manga started before? Oh no, <laughs> the it's Japanese brand new. women's team. No, it's pretty yeah. new. It's brand new. Wow. It's just aimed directly at like older teen boys. Yeah, yeah. There's like oh, three geez. women in it when I when I took my break from the manga. <laughs> but like great drawings, like it's well told. But I'm just yeah. like I can't like I like that team too much. <laughs> Yeah. So for you, yeah. it's a core premise issue on both counts. Like mm. the idea that mm. like this dude should not be this bad at doing like dad stuff, and that book, the core yeah. premise is like, yeah, I. But I, I also get like the, get what, what yeah. we don't really get into very much, and there's a little bit in the first volume. But he's dealing with mm -hmm. grief too. 
Yeah. You know, we don't really see that at all in this first one. I mean, you see the scene where he's like in front of the Butsudan and you, and unless you know what it's a Butsudan, it just looks like he's talking to a TV, right? But it's a, <laughs> okay. it's the it's the shrine where his wife's picture is and where they you know give incense and talk to the talk to the deceased. So you don't really yeah. get the sense of in this first volume, and I just peeked ahead the second volume. You don't really get a sense of him dealing with it, you know, like. Yeah. And his wife obviously died very young. They weren't married that long. The daughter is young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's barely holding it together. But you don't really get that here. But at the same yeah. time, like, you know, like I just spent what a week with my family and I had to do a bunch of the cooking because mm-hmm. my brother is an idiot in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I pray Seriously. he never listens to this podcast. Yeah. Oh, and Deb prays he does. I hope he does. He needs to hear yeah. the he needs to hear the truth, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, it's like I like even if I tried to be really nice about it, like, here's how you cut an onion. And here's how you make this. This is very simple to make. You know, like even if I tried to do the you know, like kotori, like, and then you do the cat paw and then you cut the daikon into even pieces. <laughs> Ain't happening. We would I would just barely get the daikon out of the fridge and get a knife out. And he says, What? Call dominoes. <laughs> to be to be fair, Domino's is amazing. That's true. Uh, you're only saying that because you're a vegan now, and you, you yeah, that's have it, true. I'm it's much bigger in your mind. About it. That is true. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just saying, like the gender thing is real. Like my brother grew up mm-hmm. thinking he did never had to learn how to cook. Yeah, and yeah. like we, I think we've mentioned the the manga Cooking Papa a little bit. Yeah, that, that's not available in English, but it was about a guy who who has a family and then his wife is a, has a career he learns how to cook and it there's probably in whole articles about how this was so amazing to show you know Japanese men that you two belong in the kitchen yeah like what okay <laughs> <laughs> I think this book would have been a bit more successful if yeah they kind of showed him dealing with grief more mm-hmm. but yeah. also show him being in over his head more than just oh I can't cook because if that's if that's his only problem because his daughter is you know suffers a little bit from she's adorable and she's well not perfect she's like she's not a bad kid by any stretch and she doesn't like lose it like the only time there's a problem is when he has to go to school to get her because she got in you know a fight yeah because like she was she felt like she'd done something wrong and like so even even that like she just didn't want to disappoint dad Really, mm-hmm. even that it was like such a sweet thing, and not actually what would happen with a child at that age who was, you know, in that situation. So, but you know that that kind of breaks the 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 thing of you want the the reader to like just fall in love with that little girl. Isn't she perfect? Doesn't she deserve all the best? But if you made her a bit more real, would you lose the reader a little bit? Like, probably wouldn't lose us, but you might lose the kind of maybe the core mm-hmm. audience for something like this. Yeah. I wonder if we just want a different book. We want yes. this book to be a different book. Yeah. Like we want the one that deals more. We want the sad we want the sad boy version. <laughs> we want this one to deal with the grief and to, like the little girl's probably dealing with grief as well and we mm-hmm. don't get that at all. We get like please write a letter to mommy so that she can make this and send it to us is like yeah. Like a brutal way for like like if you really like think about it and take that section where she's like she gets food and it's gross. Like, and her dad's like, Oh my God, I bought this at the store. I don't know how to cook. She's like, write to mommy and like, let her know that I want this. And like, she sees like steak or something on TV, hamburger steak. And it's just like, that's really brutal. Out of the rest of the context of the book, that sequence where she's like, tell mommy in heaven, I need better food. It's like heartbreaking. <laughs> when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the most successful sequence in the book when he's just like, has a nervous breakdown at her saying that to him and like runs through the night to this restaurant where he said he could yeah. go to get real food that would be like delicious to cook because he's he's out of options, right? And if you really look yeah. like, yeah. let's take a step back, bits like that work super well at like really yeah. showing, but the whole, the fabric of the whole story is we're an upbeat story that runs in a magazine that we want to keep continuing because if we start telling like a, a maudlin weirdo story in good afternoon it's going to get moved to a different Mm. magazine you know what i mean so it's just it's one of those things where i can see the commercial pressures Mm -hmm. pressing pushing this story into a direction further away from what us as four 
40 plus year olds <laughs> want to actually read, right? And it's just we're different we're different people than maybe the intended yeah. audience for this. And mm-hmm. it's I don't think that there's anything wrong with us wanting that different kind of story. I don't think there's anything I actually don't think there's anything wrong with this story. Like I think it's like a pretty solid seven and a half out of ten kind of a thing. But it all of our complaints about it seem to be like we're not the target audience <laughs> because a we're not living we're not Japanese people living in Japan who are in their twenties and maybe thirties who are like learning to be like do things for ourselves for the first time like David had to do that when he was fifteen I had, I had two parents that worked I made probably seventy five percent of my own meals eighty percent of my own meals mom would have dinner like I don't know six like five nights a week and then we'd do pizza or order in on another night like I know how to cook because I had to know how to cook and not just make like pantry oatmeal this does not like none of this guy's struggle like like, relates to me in any way but you could see if you could see who it's for you can see why it's successful on those merits but i think that we're different yeah we're just different readers the level of cooking that they're doing here is not elementary entry level no it is it is like a pretty (laughs) advanced level well that's the that's the conceit too is that she works for a restaurant that's super famous for being good right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So. I don't think I necessarily wanted to be a different book. I just think they could have they could have tweaked that just enough to mm-hmm. to make us recognize, yeah, a bit more about the characters. That's all. Just mm-hmm. to just to kind of help the story along. Mm. So there was a TV show that was recommended to me called Darth Marenghi's Dark Place, and there's a quote about how writers <laughs> use subtext are cowards. I think the part of the thing here is that I think he's using very efficient or rather the author is using mm-hmm. very efficient yeah. subtext for like native Japanese people, people who were who mm-hmm. live in the setting that we're watching. Well, for us, it might be much less effective subtext because we're kind of like, he's not sad enough to go running yeah. to a teenage girl's house to get dinner made. You know, like you got to work up to that a little bit. Yeah. So maybe if there was a little more of that, I think I would have liked it a little bit more but i think christopher is right is that like there's nothing wrong with it it's just not violent enough for me <laughs> <laughs> there there is there is always the danger of the knives and she's like scared of cutting yeah. <laughs> a little, little bit of david in there for you <laughs> what david is like just like where's this going <laughs> oh, knives. flashback to terrible knife incident coming in a future volume so all of that said, all of my defense that I just laid out, here's, yeah. I think that both the little girl and the dad, like the hapless scattered dad and the little like cute little girl could be played by Muppets and it would not affect the story in any way. I think that they are so all over the place, like in every, almost every sequence that they could be played by Muppets rather than real people. And I don't, and then you would look at it and go, yeah, that's totally actually in character for a Muppet. Their 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 whole thing is like outsized and over the top. And like Kotori, like the daughter who's like the cook, seems to be the realist to me. Like she seems like the most like she would be the like the guest star of the week that would come on that the human that the the Muppets interact with because mm-hmm. yeah, they are a little bit like and yeah, maybe maybe we will get more of the dad's grief. Maybe we will get more of the little kid being less an adorable Muppet that just does things that are like silly in future volumes. But this first volume, I kind of to back to Chip's first question. He asked, I kind of thought this whole book would go in a direction that was a more balanced version of like that, that first chapter showed that like, okay, this is kind of, they are kind of hapless and they are kind of all over the place, but there also is like, real trauma that he's dealing with that comes bubbling up real close to the surface in that one sequence. And we don't get any of the rest of that in the first volume. Like all yeah. of it seems to get maybe a little sillier rather than a little bit realer. And I love the Muppets. Don't get me wrong, but I was going to say most movies are better with the Muppets. Like, right? Sure. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe that's more to come. Like, I mean, setting a tone of kind of the light, you know, recipe of the week. Yeah. Might just be a, a solid instinct for a volume one of something like this, where there's hints throughout of kind of bigger issues. I, I will say it, with the Muppet stuff, uh, I think Katori's mom would be the Swedish chef then. She would be. Oh, oh. <laughs> She's on TV. She's cooking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. 
<laughs> I think I would like this a lot more if just Statler and Waldorf topped up like once or twice a volume just to say a little yeah. bit and leave. Just once to cut chapter. through their meals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first volume. Like It's kind of like when we read Yotsuba, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain tone that's set. But I feel like the real spice or the real mix hasn't been solidified yet. Like mm. in volume two, I because I read ahead a little bit, was like the father cooks something with stuffed bell peppers. And he has to deal with her saying, oh, this tastes horrible, right? Mm. And then he has to deal with her picky eaterness. And then the, you know, Kotori explains, like, you know, little kids actually don't like bitter food. Like, their palates don't like certain things. There's more things about parenting. Mm-hmm. Father and daughter don't necessarily get along like, like, oh, my d- dad, you're the best, and you can do nothing wrong. Like, mm. I think that there's some friction that gets introduced, and I think as someone who doesn't have children, <laughs> can only watch in wonder and horror as I watch my friends, you know, parent their kids, like, oh, trying to reason with these little humans can be very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and they're always like, I don't get it. And it's like, I, I feel you, man, but at least you can reason with your children. I cannot ask yeah. my cat, why did you throw up in the middle of the carpet? <laughs> you know, or the do, you, always what, the same. do you want to go out? You're yeah. sitting by the door. You're meowing. I'm opening the door for you, and you're just sitting there. What do you want? Yeah. And like, <laughs> obviously, I talk to my cat, not even you know appreciating the fact that he cannot answer. But I try anyway. <laughs> but I tell yeah. my friends, it's like at least your kids will someday be able to tell you what's on their mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll hurt your feelings oh. so bad. <laughs> oh, will they ever? Kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell my sweetness and lightning, the latter volume, start getting into parenting problems, which I thought was mm. interesting. The most interesting part of this book to me was just the part that was like kind of tease, which is Katori's mom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, because you don't really know what to make of a character that's not there. And like for the first part, I was just like, "Oh, does she even exist?" And then like uh, there will be like a handwritten note or whatever, and then eventually like there's the phone when call. She shows up on TV. That was great, actually. Yeah, so, I know. It's, I don't yeah, know what to make so, of that. that good, yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, you've watched enough Japanese TV, Deb, to know that like yeah, there's just like variety shows on 24 hours a day, basically. Like, of course, she's got to show up on TV. Everyone gets to show up on Japanese TV at least once if you live in the country. But wearing a but wearing a schoolgirl outfit, what? Well, I that's, that's the that. thing. Like, like it, it raised. I mean, it's such a quick scene, but it raised so many questions. <laughs> yeah, it's good because you're like, okay, she's off doing something as a chef or whatever, and then you're like, oh, it's a TV show, okay. And then when you actually see her, like she's young, happy, bright. She's listed as a cooking researcher on a quiz show, and she's wearing a sailor uniform. And Katari is like embarrassed for her that she's wearing the sailor uniform. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so is the mom doing this, which isn't her passion? You assume it's actually just the cooking that's her passion because she needs the money? Or is it like a fame thing? Like, what? Like, it, it, there are so many questions there as to what, what this meant. And and why she would do it and be away from her restaurant. Uh, we've already kind of uh, seen that restaurants in manga can just exist yes. without uh, <laughs> customers <laughs> or problems with money. But still, like she basically has left her daughter, who doesn't know how to cook, alone and closed down the restaurant to go do this. And so it just raises all these questions about what what's behind these moves of the mother. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What did you guys think of that? I thought that was odd, actually, because it would have made sense if the mother was overseas, you mm. know, and therefore was absent. The other manga trope. Yes. <laughs> Someone oh, the overseas mother? And yeah. cannot be spoken to. <laughs> yeah. But the fact they share a house together, and the mother actually makes a lovely breakfast for her once in a while, but somehow they don't interact. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird, and it, there's it's not an there's no animosity there either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, she's like I said, she's embarrassed for her mother, but she's not really upset with her mom for not being there. Though maybe that comes later. Context wise, it it did make sense to me, but like, I don't think it would make sense to a normal North American reader. Like, I like mm-hmm. I get why you guys are confused about it, but it's just like you watch enough like 
I have friends that do that are like talento, uh, talent. Like oh. they they do TV stuff every once in a while. They get called in to do stuff like that, and it's just like, yeah, like I I mean, okay, so I'm here. I'm I'm going for restaurants in Taiwan. I'm like looking up opening hours, and it's like this restaurant's only open Friday Saturday. Like really, like like Friday or Friday Saturday Sunday maybe it's only open three nights a week out of like seven days a week, and it's just like yeah, the person who's running this restaurant, this restaurant is famous because I've heard of it. They only open three nights a week because they've got other shit going on because they hit this level of fame where it's so easy to get into the Japanese entertainment industry that like now they have to do other stuff on the nights or they have like three restaurants and they're in a this is like their their big restaurant but then they go over and manage their like whatever restaurants or like they're they have a tv appearance or a radio appearance because radio is still huge as we learned in wave listen to me and that kind of thing it doesn't the cultural context of it i think would make perfect sense to a japanese reader be like oh yeah if your restaurant is like big enough that you get featured on a couple of tv shows suddenly because there's so much food television in japan it like it dwarfs anything that we're doing in north america that yeah, if you get featured three or four times, suddenly they start asking you to come on to their other programs and be like a guest host because you're this famous person who's been cooking at this restaurant and now you can give your opinion on whatever the like you just have to fill twelve hours a day of people giving their opinions about things, and that's most of Japanese television. I, I'm not making this up. I'll I'll link a mm-hmm. video in a, a Chris Broad video that that talks about Japanese TV in the comments that does a good job of explaining it. But yeah, the, the, the long and the short of it that. is mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. How can we get manga explaining on Japanese TV? We have to just be Ooh. in Japan. Literally, you just hang around in Japan long <laughs> enough, and someone will ask you to be on TV. So let's do it. Okay. Let's get yeah, it. I'm in. I'm in. Crew. Yeah. They just reopened. <laughs> nice. So, like, everyone book your tickets. We'll all go yeah. for Christmas and see if we can't get on a. Oh, we'll be the foreigners in the background of like a Christmas shoot or something like that. It'll be really great. <laughs> I'm down with that. I love it. I was going to say, there's a. When you were talking about restaurants that only open certain days, I want mm. to bring up a, a a San Francisco mystery called the Golden Gate Bakery. Okay. The Golden Gate Bakery is in Chinatown. It is famous for its egg custard tarts. It mm. is rarely open. People <laughs> love this place, but it is Perfect. rarely open. So there is mm. an actual website called, is Golden Gate Bakery open today? <laughs> and then you click on it and it either says yes or no. There is a Facebook group. Is Golden Bake Bakery open today? And when it wow. is, the people will post. Go, oh my god, the doors open. They're making egg tarts. Everyone run for the hills. You know, everyone <laughs> run, run to Chinatown right now and go get Brilliant. some. So, so my little story at Golden Gate Bakery is one day I was like paying. I had a little errand to run downtown, right, right by Golden Gate Bakery, and I went and looked at it. Oh, it's open. I have to try and get some egg tarts, and I go in. And they say, no egg tart, only mooncake. Oh. Egg, egg tart not till 11 o'clock. Did you just sit there? Did you just sit <laughs> there just, and wait? And I just felt defeated. <laughs> How dare you? And also they close at 10.59. So. <laughs> so I'm just saying there are sometimes there are people who run businesses and they decided that they'd rather have a life. Yeah. But it's also you can you can almost make as much money doing it during those times as you can by stretching out over a week. Like so, here on the island that I live on, it's small enough that there is no restaurant. There is a cafe that closes it too, but there was like this on uh, one of the farms. There was like kind of a food truck, and it was called like the Chuck Wagon. And and whenever you drive by, like there's. It just says it's closed. Like it's just closed. Like you're not allowed on the property. There's all these signs wow. saying, you know, trespassers will be prosecuted, shot, whatever. It's like, and then uh, we found out that they used to be open to the public. But then the guy just got tired of like the periods where there was no one, and then the periods where there was a rush, and he just had to like get off his ass and like make food to feed like twenty tourists that came through or something like that. Mm. And just always being on call. So he closed it to the public. And you have to call and get on his list to become mm. a member. And he's calling it a private supper club, which is just a food <laughs> truck. And and basically, he he puts the list open on Thursdays to like put in your order for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
And as soon as his slots are filled up, he's done. So it's like the perfect business. Like he's still probably making as much money, but he also knows like, Oh, I will make 20 hamburgers. Who wants uh, one of the 20 hamburgers? And I'm like, Oh, that's the way to do it. Like a commissions list at a comic con almost. Oh God. That's exactly it. it. Yeah. That was like the time Uh, I like, I I sat next to Bruce Tim at a show and he just, put a little list down, walked away and they were just like, got in line, wrote down what character they wanted until the list was full. And then he just came back and drew them all. Perfect. Nice. So obviously we've uh, digressed a little bit here, but um, <laughs> that's, that's what we're famous for. <laughs> I will say, uh, Katori's chef mom and her appearance, like I said, it, it raised all these questions for me. It was kind of the most interesting part of volume one because it just felt like such a mystery. And it just, there was more mystery after, we see her, but it, it answered one question for me, which was, will there be this horrible teacher student relationship? And as soon as I saw the mom, I'm like, no, there won't be. Yeah. Because they've introduced the mom as a cheerful, good character that doesn't have an antagonistic relationship with uh, her daughter. If the mom was introduced as like, you know, the wicked step mother from Cinderella or something like that, you'd be like, oh, okay, sense. like, forget it. So I was like, okay, that kind of solves that for me. Like, because I was worried too that it might become icky, but it feels to me more now like going forward, there might be an unrequited thing and it's going to get sorted out at some point. And yeah. then she'll kind of move on or figure it out. Maybe he'll have a thing with the mom. Maybe there'll be some weird tension there. Maybe that's just my fanfic in my head already. <laughs> the mom is the best case scenario, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about reading ahead because there is a volume 12. Okay. Ooh. Just getting that last one's like, okay, does it get icky? Because if it doesn't get icky, then I can feel good about reading it. Yeah, yeah. There's a manga up by Square Enix called Beauty and the Feast, which is about a, a boy who is a baseball player, his high school baseball player, and this woman who is a widow who likes to cook. So she decides to cook for him. Because, you know, he's an athlete and he needs to eat good food. He's just eating constantly. He is just like a 15-year-old boy who just will not stop eating to, like, put it all into baseball energy. Yeah. And and she's extremely busty. So so there's a part where it's like, I like I, I, I had that tension, like, oh, my God, please, no, please, no, please, no, please, no. And then my Japanese friends are, no, don't worry, man. Doesn't go there. Oh, great. You can, re- you can hmm. read it as you like, and it won't go there. It's, it's just about eye candy of this busty woman making food. That's all it is. All right. But Perfect. That's, and that's so much of manga is like that, that commercial concern. Like you want to do this thing where like this woman, it's like a cooking manga. A woman's going to be cooking. She's got something going on where she's like, I need to feed this neighbor boy. Who's like maybe a little neglected. Sure. But we have to make it sell. How busty can we make this lady? How busty can she get? And she's busty. Like, I'll put it in the show notes. It is crazy. But it's the same thing with, I feel like, Sweetness and Lightning, where it's like, all right, we got to make this sell. How cute can we make this adorable girl? Like, this, like, Muppet, like, Muppety little girl, just, like, doing Moe things and having the big eyes and little teardrops and whatever. And it's like, we've done it. She's, like, genetically cutely perfect or something. Like, it's it's ridiculous, this, like, drawing of this girl. and Like, all the way through, the all the faces she makes is kind of silly, but it's great, too. So you're saying the little girl is the tits of this manga? <laughs> yeah, wow. you know what? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the G-rated. Her is speechless right now. Trying to find her <laughs> I got nothing. They fulfill the same role is as far as I'm willing to go down that path. I'm going to try to rescue this and make sure you support <laughs> Way to go, ship. You just made this the not safe for work episode. Yeah. <laughs> you meet one of the high school girl's friends in volume two, who like hears okay. a rumor that like, oh, the teacher's hanging out. Well, she doesn't hear a rumor. Someone like literally tells her and she goes to check it out. And so she walks in on them while they're cooking together. And it's one of those like, oh, this isn't what it looks like kind of moments. But before mm-hmm. they get to the, this isn't what it looks like, like she looks at the two of them cooking. And she's like, oh, and then she looks at the kid and she's like, oh. And then she's like, what is going on? And it sidesteps the romantic awkwardness entirely. Like it's never mm-hmm. like, oh, are you two dating? It's like, oh, something weird's happening, but I don't know what. Mm-hmm. And then the very next page is her explaining. There's like a little explanatory caption. And she's like, you should have told me, and now I'm going to help you cook. So, like, their posse's getting bigger. 
Oh, okay. Uh, and you're kind okay, of learning yeah. more about the girl, the girls as kind of they interact this way. It's like another angle on the character. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I so like just digging into this idea and oh, manga inflation syndrome. It's like Rama. They just keep introducing new potential brides or husbands for Akane and Rama. And we meet so a like, jumbo too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need a jumbo. Yeah. We need a jumbo. What's, no, what's you meet a jumbo in shows? volume two. Oh, there's a meat oh, really? Yeah, there's a character. And he's like kind that. of like a jumbo plus, what's the other guy from Yotsuba? The enemy? Yeah, the mean one. Oh, the Yanda. One yeah, it's kind of <laughs> the same guy. Yanda plus yeah. jumbo. It's true. Nice. Because wow. she sees Sumugi in the park, like some guy offers her a cigarette and she takes it and she's like, what is going on? Did she get kidnapped? What's happening? And of course, it's, you know, Sumugi's dad's friend. Like she says, you can't eat the paper, right? Because it's a candy cigarette. Is the oh. joke. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it has to have right. gotten Maybe more spicy and interesting to go on for 12 volumes, right? Like, it's not just, you know, like, laid back camp, which is just like, oh, we're going camping. We're having a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing really happens, but we're having a lovely time. You know, it's just kind of like the equivalent of, like, watching. that They have, like, there's a thing on HBO Max where you can just watch this loop of Ghibli backgrounds with soothing music. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's kind of <laughs> like that. It's just like, nothing happens, but don't you feel relaxed now? Life is mm. lovely. So my guess for volume 12, like if it keeps escalating as it is now, is <laughs> do you know Ortolan, the bird where you have to cover your face to not offend God while you eat it? No. What's that? You guys heard about this? Oh, it's okay. Like yeah. This French delicacy that sounds horrible. Uh, you're supposed to eat it in one bite. It's horrific. But my guess is they make that in the last volume, and that's like the escalation. <laughs> oh my god, David! <laughs> that is oh my god! Way to David this up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, cigarettes in volume two, like it's a very sharp spike. <laughs> this could, oh my god! I mean, this could be so amazing, right? You get like just grab a whole bunch of the really sweetest, nicest manga, and then mm-hmm. David it up. And see what happens. <laughs> like, we would, would make most, it would be the most amazing dojinshi series, <laughs> right? Like the David collection of yeah, make it darker, make it this. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we more have smoke, to commission dojinshi. We have to commission the oh. Ortolan final chapter of Sweetness and Lightning. <laughs> sort of an eyes wide shut. Everyone comes to the, the supper club and sits down. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, there's a manga called Batum, right? That has like two endings. Like there's one called the dark ending and one called the light ending. And you can mm. choose which ending you want. <laughs> Gross. Uh-huh. My favorite Sorry. one of those is We Never Learn has <laughs> like eight endings. It's So it's a harem manga where like a guy, there's a nerd, there's several women that like him for reasons no one can really explain. And in the end yeah. of this one, he gets with all of them. Like everyone gets an ending, a good ending. And it's like, they announced the end of the series, then a year and a half later, it finally ends after like 40 chapters of fan service. Amazing. Smart. That, that is, yeah. so, you made so much money. So, <laughs> it's like not sticking to your guns to such an extent that you're sticking to all new guns. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're sticking to all new guns. But I can't choose what this uh, ending's going to be, so we're going to do all of them. Good for him. Man, good yeah. for him. Amazing. Has anyone ever done that in American comics to that extent? <laughs> uh, Danger Club, actually, by not to that extent. That extent's like wild. <laughs> but there's an image book called Danger Club by Landry Walker and the recently passed Eric Jones. It's sort of like a Teen Titans post apocalypse riff. And the endings are different in the trade paperback and the comics because they wanted like a different vibe for the different formats. Oh, it's also really? sort of like a Crisis wow. on Infinite Earths thing. Yeah. Huh. So it's really cool. That's smart. Also, it's a really good story. Like you think Grim Teen, Teen Titans is not like a fun time, but they have such heart, I guess, is the best way to put it. That I really enjoyed mm. reading it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Chip, you hosted this episode and it went completely off the rails. How do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, I, I, I consider myself not really the host. I think you're the host. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're the host of this one. You did the introduction. His name so is on good. the spreadsheet. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's on the spreadsheet. I think it. I think it went. I think it went well. I think it's one of our best episodes yet. It came in under time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one. My one final question for all of you is whether or not you'd want to kind of keep reading this after volume one, or in David's case, volume one and a half. <laughs> I'll lead off. I don't want to, 
but I like it enough to recommend to different people I know who will probably love it in a way that like yeah. I'm apparently emotionally incapable of. Um, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the execution is really sharp. Like the cute stuff is legit cute. Like the drawings of the little girl, she might as well be from a like a whole other comic sometimes, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's a good vibe. Like it's really positive. It sidesteps the grossness in a way that I really appreciate. Like it doesn't make it like a teasing, like will they, won't they thing, even if they end up not doing it. It's just like, this isn't that story. Like the yeah. store is closed. And they hopefully. say it in so many different ways too. Like there's yeah. no getting around it, which I think is great. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's waterproof as far as that goes. So I appreciate that. Yeah. But yeah, very much like very good, very not for me, which is kind cool. of makes it kind of fun to read for me because I'm always trying to like figure out why I don't like things, why I really like things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. This is pretty much like Christopher said, just core premises aren't quite my bag, but everything else mm. kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Deb, how about you? Well, I, I admit I read volume one and it was pleasant enough, but I wasn't motivated to keep reading. And that's kind of says something a little bit like it norm. Like I am the ultimate impulse reader. Like if something grabs me, I will go and I'll go read everything. I'll buy 20 something volumes yeah, yeah. and I have to. And this one just somehow didn't grab me, even though I like food manga, even though I generally like, you know, kind of nice. Like, like I love what did you eat yesterday? And I love, you know, b- books like that. But the, mm. I think one of the things with this book is that the underlying drama in back of it didn't grab me enough. And I think the, as I read volume two, it started to pick up and I thought, oh, okay, maybe, you know, it's more interesting because like you see some friction between to McGee and her dad, and you see some more characters being introduced. So maybe it gets, uh, it picks up steam and starts to find its groove. So I'm willing to investigate to go a little bit further. But um, in general, the other thing that I thought was interesting about volume two is what they started cooking some things that were not your typical introductory Japanese recipes. Mm-hmm. And so that started to intrigue me like, oh, squid and taro stew? Never heard of that. You know, hmm. kind of intriguing to me. But like, what did you eat yesterday? I've actually cooked a couple of things from that book. And hmm. they've they've been pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then I what I like about what did you eat yesterday is that there's always this underlying drama of, you know, this gay couple getting older and what they go through. But it's never stops being kind of a slice of life and fun. So yeah. I like, for some reason, that hits the spot more for me. But mm. I appreciate what Sweetness and Lightning is starting to do, starting from the second volume, which is getting into how do you parent a kid? How do you deal mm. with when they do something wrong? How, I mean, it's never going to always be, you know, you know, kisses and hugs, right? Like there's a scene in volume two where they go to a fair and then Tsumugi gets separated and the dad gets really mad at her. And then he has to deal with, you know, them being mad at each other. She's like, oh, like she cries, like, you know, why just scold me? And I think it's really interesting to, as a parent, to realize you're not going to be your kid's friend all the time. You know, they're not going <laughs> to like you all the time. And you shouldn't strive for that, you know? So that kind of thing is fascinating to me, even though clearly my eggs are not going to hatch. Nothing's, <laughs> no kid type action is ever going to happen for me. I can just look at it like, Fascinating. Is that how they exist on that planet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's interesting for me, but it's a little uh it's not something like I feel super passionate about, right? It's just I can yeah. read it with with that thinking like, oh yeah, parenting hard. <laughs> the uh <laughs> and Chris, would you keep reading? I have a friend and I will not name them, I will not out them, just in case. But they gave up on the X Men books at a certain point because what? it's just like, where am I? Where am I going to put all these X Men comic books? Is this me? And so, but the, <laughs> no, this is why it's not you. They switched to reading Wikipedia issues synopses mm. because it was just like I don't like, especially when the like X Men has good writers and artists and then bad writers and artists, but it's still the same thread that has been woven since basically claremont took over and sometimes they go a little bit before the claremont stuff and he just like these are just people that have been in my life for 15 years i want to find out what what they're up to but i don't want to pay like if you want to collect the x-men books 
$45 a month for the privilege. I want to just like, oh, what, what are Bobby and Jean up to? Oh, Jean's dead again. Oh, okay. Oh, she's back. Okay, good. Like, so he just that reads sounds the like synopsis. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, he just wants Facebook status <laughs> yeah. updates on the X Men. Facebook status updates on the X Men. And he gets it because when, within moments of an issue coming out, usually Tuesdays now, like before it's even out, someone's writing a synopsis and putting it on Wikipedia of what happens in that issue. And that's how he keeps up with the X-Men now. And that's the way in which he wants to engage with the X-Men now. I want that for this book. I don't <laughs> care about the individual. And in fact, the individual chapters make me like the book less. But I just want to know that like, oh, there is a chapter that where he deals with his grief and it's all about that. Or there is a chapter where like they explore the mother-daughter relationship between Kotori and her like famous mom and like how she's getting away from... Like I want to know what happens to these people, but I don't want to like hang out with them to do it. <laughs> it's just awful. Like, but it's, it's, it's how I feel about it. Like, All right. yeah, I want to know wh- how, where their stories end up, but I can clearly see that like, this has turned into a book that is successful. And so we've just got to have infinite chapters until it becomes unprofitable, at which point we'll get a real ending and maybe like tiny <laughs> bits of character development that go through because you can't, Ultimately, this book can't change until you get to, until it's going to be over. Because if it changes, it might become unpopular in the middle of the change, and then it would just be automatically ended. And it's just, I just, we, I've talked about this before, but I find myself just butting up so hard against the commercial aspects of manga sometimes, in the same way that I did with superhero books, where it was just like, and I've and I've talked about this before, but like, yeah, there's there was there's like one book where I was just like, oh, this is what superhero comics are, and then I was done. And it was like, it's fine. I still like to read comics that are good, usually miniseries, something with like a beginning, middle, and end that that tells a story. So usually something out of continuity, like an Elseworldsy kind of a thing. Like like Chip did with my Spider-Man Life Story, kind of a kind of a deal, right? But that's the same thing with manga. Like I want something with a beginning, middle, and end that resists market forces. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think there's enough manga being made now for me in that way that like great, this can still exist. It's even part of the, like, I love What Did You Eat Yesterday, which is a book that Deb just brought up, which is about, like, but it's literally about two gay dudes in their 40s just, like, trying to figure their way out and what they're going to do as they get older and dealing with their parents who are getting older, even older as well, and being stubborn and whatever. And it's like, oh, that's exactly where I'm at with my life right now. So, like, reading this is really comforting, but I don't have to give it any thought whatsoever. Like, it's just, like, a thing that happens and that's it. And I'm not this like dude who's like who's newly single dad in his 30s with a kid. Like that is so far away from my life. Like I kind of I want the best for him. I want to find out what happens, but I don't care. <laughs> like on a day to day basis, I don't want to be in his life. So God, I don't. I don't want to read. I don't want to read anything that comes close to my life. I just want to read about kids and tits. <laughs> oh God. Not in the same book, thankfully. There goes the age rating for this. Oh, different books. Different <laughs> books, Chris. Yeah. David, could you bleep Chip? Just like the whole episode. <laughs> like a conceptual episode where every time Chip, like, welcome to Manga's Planning. I'm Chip Zdarsk. And then it's just us talking in between beeps. Conceptual Manga's Planning episode. Yeah. <laughs> Three out of four. all right well okay as as for me i would say um i probably wouldn't read the next volume okay so uh uh, we're gonna go to commercial and when we come back i guess we'll do some shout outs sound good sounds good all right sounds good we'll be back in a second When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. It's that time that everyone craves, which is which manga and anime is Deb consuming this week, <laughs> a.k.a. Yeah. shout outs. <laughs> Deb, you're up first. Oh, I have many. Oh, good, good. Mm. So All right. in the theme of this 
book, uh, this episode. I went to a friend's wedding last week in LA, and the hotel I was staying at in downtown was around the corner from this place called The Last Bookstore. I had oh. never heard of this place before, and it is amazing. Oh. <laughs> it is oh, wow. so cool. It's basically like a two-story thing where it's just this beautiful and airy, but jam-packed full of books place that sells both new and used books. It's really artistic and fun, very cozy. I picked up a book there called Korean American Cooking Comics. Oh, neat. Nice. It is published by a LA comic store called Secret Headquarters. And it's this really cute series of little comics about a couple and um, the little bit how to cook some of the Korean food. Oh, awesome. Super charming. It's a little hardcover book. I've been watching a lot of Korean dramas, as you know, and there's always lots of food that happens in Korean dramas. I think I have never eaten that before. What is Hmm. this orange rice cakes that they're all craving? Hmm. What is this hangover soup in which they must have all the time because everyone in Korean dramas drinks till they're comatose? Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is this is a part of my little journey of trying to understand what are they eating in these TV shows, <laughs> and it's very cute and it's uh, done by I think an LA couple. So I'm very glad I picked it up. The other thing I wanted to recommend, and I recommend you guys all watch this, is a series called it's on Vicky called Sleeper Hit. It's based on a manga about a young woman who used to be a judo champion. But she gets injured and she goes to her second choice of a career, which is to become a manga editor. Hmm. And it is <laughs> incredible. It's 10 episodes. And it takes you into the world of publishing manga like in a way that I've never seen before. It's super smart and fun. There's okay. a scene where you see where all the manga that isn't sold gets pulped. Oh. <laughs> it's oh. kind of amazing. They talk there's they talk about the, the battles between the sales department and the publishing department. They talk mm. about mm. manga magazines getting canceled. They talk about an older artist who is getting all these internet comments that he's lost his touch. There is a new artist who it can't draw. Too relatable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> he inherently knows how to tell a good story. Like so if it reminds mm. you of like Attack on Titan and it there's a girl who draw really great, beautiful BL manga at Comedia, and then she mm. gets tapped to do a, a novel adaptation. Everything you'll watch on this, and it tells the story from the salespeople's point of view, the bookstore seller's point of view, the artist's point of view, the assistant's point of view, that we've all talked about, but it's really smartly done. And the, the main character, unlike many main characters in a lot of these shows, she is enthusiastic and bright and smart but not inept. <laughs> like usually like, oh, you know, the, the bright young ingenue is usually, you know, like like clumsy and keeps getting into trouble. No, it's like in this case, she is enthusiastic and positive, but she has a fresh point of view and a love for the medium that brings, allows her to bring fresh solutions that her, the more jaded editors couldn't do. So I found it to be a really uplifting show. I really love it. There's a manga series. Cool. I think it's, Big Comic Spirits, which will never come in English because it's 18 volumes, whatever. But it is in French. <laughs> so anyway, I highly recommend it. I've been chatting it up all week. I love it. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Chris? We'll put the link for that in the show notes. I was just thinking if I've consumed anything and it's like, no, I've just been shopping. I've literally just, I didn't own a plate before yesterday. And now I own a plate as we finally were able to go out buy plates. So no wonder you like sweetness and lightning so much. Yeah, yeah. Zero. It's like, oh, I got, a, I got I started from zero. I'm learning how to do everything in a different language. John Oliver just started putting up new episodes of This Week Tonight on YouTube, and I've been watching that, and I feel increasingly disassociated from things that he is complaining about. So it's probably a good sign that I am watching it. To like <laughs> Every week, it's like, this is what you should be mad about this week. And it's just like, okay, uh... I hadn't really thought to be mad about that, but thank you. I'm glad that I am mad about that thing in an entertaining way this week tonight with John Oliver. So throw up the most recent one in the show notes. All right. And David? So mine is going to be ludicrous, I guess, (laughs) is what we're doing today. There's one movie that features Jake Gyllenhaal and Jack Palance. Do any of you know what it is? Jack Palance? Really? Yeah. That would be City Slickers. 
Amazing. Yes. <gasps> Chip Zdarsky, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So when I was a kid, I loved City Slickers. There was like this little host of like kind of funny action Westerns that I liked a lot to where I didn't even see like a real Western until years later. And while I work during the day, I like to rewatch old movies like from when I was a kid or whatever. So I watched City Slickers this week and I had an unexpectedly emotional time watching it oh, wow. <laughs> because one of the first things that happens is Billy Crystal's like, oh, no, I'm about to turn 39. And I looked up at the TV, like the Kill Bill sirens going off in my head, because in November, I'm turning 39. Oh, I described mm, this. Wow. <laughs> I described this all yeah. 40 plus. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I aged you. <laughs> it averages out, I think. But I probably had the most emotional experience watching City Slickers anyone's ever had. Because I was like, oh, this is a midlife crisis movie. I somehow did not know that midlife crisis, crises happen in your late 30s. I thought it was like a 40s, 50s thing. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I was like checking myself against Billy Crystal and like, you know, kind of translating the 80s, like, here's what a man is all about thing to like 2022. It was still a really funny movie. I think I'm doing pretty well in terms of like being an adult. Like, I don't feel too crisis bound. And yeah, City Slickers <laughs> streaming on Netflix right now. <laughs> so did you immediately go and watch uh, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold? No, but I thought about it because I forgot that John Lovitz is in it. He replaces one of the actors. Oh. And I liked him a lot when I was a kid, too. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Did you have anything this week? Anything good? Oh, my shout out was the shout out that you shouted out to me in our group Slack, which is <laughs> Nick Kroll's stand up special, mm. Little Big Boy, which uh, came out on Netflix, I think, uh, a week or two ago. And uh, mm -hmm. it's super funny. Nick Kroll's the kind of guy, he just pops up in so many things. And he's yeah. always like one of the funniest parts of whatever he's in. Yeah. And and I, I've never actually watched a stand-up. And it, it was super, super funny. Like he's kind of a master of voices as well. And he does an amazing Jason Statham throughout the special, which killed yeah. me every time he did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite good. I highly recommend it. Andrew and I were watching Big Mouth, and we really liked it. Oh, yeah. And man. I don't think we're caught up on the newest season, but I would actually totally watch a Nick Kroll stand-up special. How does it compare if, you like, if you've like, you only seen him really doing his like child self in Big Mouth? I haven't watched Big Mouth because hmm. I don't care really? for animation. Oh, you don't care for <laughs> animation. <laughs> I forgot. That's the one of the themes of the, ep of the show, of Manga <laughs> Yeah, <Spain>. yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot. But, but I've seen him and John Mulaney kind of do characters on – a variety of forums and yeah yeah this this is a good extension of that but also gives you kind of an insight into him as a person which you don't really kind of know much about him because he doesn't really talk a lot about himself mm -hmm. in his press appearances so you kind of get to to see him as an emotional an emotional man which is quite mm -hmm. sweet yeah. it's great yeah. because he like i don't there's no nice way to say this but like he looks like a dick you know, like you see him, you're like, yeah. oh, of course that guy's yeah. a jerk. You know, yeah. But he's such yeah. like he's got such a sensitive sense of humor that he sticks the landing on a moms are annoying joke, like multiple times in this special. Yeah, like he's yeah. just it's such true. a good writer. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely he's he's very good at weaving a tale. Yeah, and I didn't realize he was that good at stand up. So yeah, definite recommendation for me. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Cool. All right, we did it. We nailed it. Another episode of Manga Explaining. Can't believe I I, I I hosted and survived the experience. Thanks it. for did going easy job. on me. This has been Manga Explaining Episode 80, Sweetness and Lightning, by Guido Amigakore. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing Division Chief Kusakushima by Kenshi Hirokane. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com, or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com, and check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.